Hey friends, this is Holly Bame Lytle, and you're listening to Isaac's Autism in the Wild podcast, where we focus on topics related to raising loved ones touched by autism and its impact on relationships and family. I'll be sharing some of my personal parenting experiences, raising my son Isaac, who passed away in 2007, as well as an entirely different parenting experience as I now raise my son Caleb, who never ceases to blow my mind with his beautiful autism perspectives. So grab a drink and join me as I interview this week's panel of exceptional autism parents. Okay, I have an even bigger podcast group joining me today, so this is pretty amazing. Um, so words getting out, words getting out. Like this is great. I love that. Um, the topic that we're talking about today is should you share the diagnosis or keep it private. So I um, love this particular topic because I've had two kiddos with autism, and I have had positive experiences sharing it. But I have also experienced some real um, negative experiences as well um, when I have shared it. And then I have also kept it a secret and have had some really great experiences keeping it a secret and then also some absolute train wrecks. So I love this particular topic. I have a lot of eager parents here, so I have to think that you guys have a lot to add to the topic too. So um, I'm going to just open it up here by saying, um, give me an example of a time where sharing your child's diagnosis um, was awesome, was amazing, um, and what that looked like. What did you do um, in terms of setting that up um, so that it was a positive experience for your child? Who wants to go first? All right, here we go. I'll get the ball rolling. You know I will. Um, I'm Christine. My son is 11, and we got his diagnosis at two and a half. Um, And I'm going to say that in in terms of defining positive and negative experiences, most of our um, uh, experiences in sharing his diagnosis have been positive. Um, when we get to the negative part, I'll, I'll sort of define what I have found as the negative part to that. But family was um, very uh, receptive and responsive, willing to learn what this meant for our family. Um, I think my husband was the one who had the hardest time accepting the diagnosis, um, but I don't necessarily think that we were ever afraid to share it with anybody and everybody. Uh, in the beginning, it was just sort of one of those things where we didn't know exactly what that meant for our family. So sharing it was just sort of like sharing any other piece of information about us. So like, Was it like the Christmas card list, so to speak? Yeah. I mean, seriously, it was because we didn't exactly know what that meant. Um, it was just sort of a... You know, so Cameron, here's Cameron, he's he's two and a half, and he has autism. Brown hair and brown eyes. Like, we just didn't know what that meant. Um, I have found that um, sharing it now is, a, is different than it was in the beginning uh, because his um, autism is much more obvious now. And so sharing that, again, while it's always been positive, um, nobody's, like, I've never had a negative uh, experience. I'm super excited to hear those of you who have so that I can have some sort of frame of reference. But um, it's it's definitely more obvious now. It's almost like an aha moment for people when we say, oh, well, yeah, he, he has autism. They're like, oh, that explains a few things. So... 
that's... I have a question for you, though. Absolutely. Because this is true for me. At the beginning, I found that I was more willing to share that my child had autism than my husband was. And I didn't know oh, yeah. true for anyone else because he doesn't usually come out and say that when he takes him places. Here's a funny one in our world was... Um, when Isaac was diagnosed, my mom, you know, you'd be someplace and, you know, my mom would be talking to her friends or whatnot. And it was just like, well, this is my grandson. And he had, well, you know, um, you know, well, so, and, um, and I was like, mom, it's okay. So just say it once with me, mom. He has autism. <laughs> and she was like, well, I, uh, and I'm like, just say it one time, Mom. Just one time. I feel like if you just break it, just break the seal. Just say, this is my son, Isaac, and he has autism. And she said it. It was so hard for her. And she was just like, I just don't know why it's so hard for me to say. Well, I, you know, I don't think it's because you're ashamed of it. Right, Mom? And no, 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 no. It's just that I guess it's just, you know, I'm kind of in denial about it. You know, I just wish it wasn't this way. But once she said it, and once it was just like, okay, so you kind of broke the seal. Like, you know, now we can move on, and next time you can be. This is my son with my 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 grandson Isaac, and he has like whatever. But um, I guess it was pretty obvious for when he was little. But but Isaac Isaac's diagnosis was a lot like Cam's. I mean, Cam is twelve. We got it at two and a half. That's ten years ago. How far we've come yeah. in the last ten years? I mean, when we got the diagnosis, we're thinking Rain Man, yes. and that that's what that would mean for our kid. And Different so topic about the stereotype, <laughs> right? But again. And so when yeah, you're when you're topic when you are podcast. sharing that diagnosis, you know that everybody is coming at that with a preconceived notion of what that's going to look like for your child. So then you get that, oh, I'm so sorry. I mean, like it's this catastrophic, <laughs> this catastrophic yeah. thing, and that has. Abs that has changed. Yeah. That has changed in the last 10 years for us. So now when we share it, I think people are a lot more, um, it's not this catastrophic thing yeah. that I'm sharing with people. It's um, it's more of a, oh, so, so what does that mean for Cameron? Yes. And I love that. I love that it now opens up a dialogue because we are seeing this range of what autism looks like these days. Oh, I'm trying to have an eight-year-old son with autism, and for me, I found it very helpful to share his diagnosis because then I realized things about other people that I would never know. So, like, we go to we moved here last summer, and we go to church every Sunday, and in Sunday school. So, I, I was very upfront with the Sunday school teacher that he has autism, and she tells me she's like, "Oh, I have a grown adult son who has autism." Something I would never know. So she already, you know, had that experience, and so she was so accommodating and asking for suggestions and ideas, and I would never have known that had I not shared it with her. And for my son, not sharing it, he just looks like a child with behavior problems. Yeah, like so, the jerk. Oh, yeah, well, this like, is a jerky like, like kid. Just, yeah. Yeah. Not this oh, nice kid who does all this like yeah. crazy stuff and just has behavior issues when it's not that at all. So it's helpful, more helpful for me to share it, or else people are like, oh, that child just has all these behavior issues, and it's a parenting issue. And So true. Well, here, I'm going to put David on the spot here because we were just talking about the, um, you know, dads having a harder time maybe, like, using that terminology and coming around. So, David, do you have any perspectives on, like, the sharing the diagnosis or keeping it private? <clears throat> well, it's a lone representation of testosterone here. <laughs> um, funny because you hear the terminology and um, my initial response 
I was, okay, she has autism. What is it? Like, <laughs> I, I, I see her quirks. I see, you know, the various behavioral, behavioral attributes. What is it? And, I mean, the range of definitions I got from the experts were as confusing as anything, and it left me. Um, however, as far as it goes, I'm always one to just put it out there and say, oh, by the way, she has autism. Because, I mean, as it says, it provides the explanation up front. Um, and then it's like, so now it's on you if you have the problem. Yeah. Honestly, it's, and if you have questions, you have a reference as to what's going on here. So now you can uh, come to us. It's funny because uh, one of the first uh, indoctrinations into that, we uh, at her um, first grade open house, the uh, teacher, she was great. I just, it's like, this is my first year, and it's my first year being full-time. And I'm like, oh, that's great. Here's Morgan. <laughs> and, um, Trial by fire. Yeah, and she's like, uh, you know, and sometimes, sometimes it's not a negative response. It's just a glazed-over response. Like, oh, good. Like, what do I do? And so um, it was just funny that uh, about three weeks in when we had a sit-down with the staff, they're like, well, she really has issues with focus. We're like, duh. <laughs> you remember that explanation we gave you? But in general, and we really haven't, I'd be interested to hear because I'll probably, you know, it'll raise my ire because we haven't had any negative experience. Some neutral, some clueless looks, but as far as negative, it's like, I just, that's heartbreaking really to hear. Uh, I'm Bonnie. I have two boys on the got diagnosed at 21 months he was almost like in a full vegetative state and it was very obvious there was something wrong there um we were very open with him with everybody sharing that diagnosis and um a lot of people i would say it was more like they just felt really sorry for us but a lot of family it was um probably the opposite of what we thought they just pulled back it was like I don't know if they were scared, um, didn't know what to say. So by the time when we chose, um, and I've had some conversations with you about this, when we chose to have another child after that, um, there was a lot of negativity around that. And so when we found out that he had autism as well, I felt at first we had to have some conversations of we just didn't, we weren't ashamed of it, but we didn't know what, what was going to happen if we shared. And it was very negative. Yeah. You know, why did you guys do this again? Why, you know, blah, blah, blah. It was more negative. Um, he's not as impacted as our oldest. Um, but I would say the community has been kinder to us than our family has. And that's been... Um, really hard for us yeah. to understand why strangers will wrap their arms around you and say oh my gosh how can I help how you know how can I help him and you can't even get a family member to come to a therapy session and know how to be around Evan to take him to the park to have fun with him to to know that he doesn't want you to hug him but maybe if you squeeze his arm that's just enough for him you know um so I think kind of that's yeah. kind of our experience oh, that's hard this is Geraldine, and my son is 11. Um, I also have a 
younger son who's 15 months younger than his older brother. And I find I have to explain the diagnosis sometimes because they're so close in age. You know, they're the Irish twin situation going on. Um, Because everyone thinks my younger son is the older brother. Because it's not always obvious with, with Elian. Like he you know, he's really great actually now when we go to the store um, for the past few years. You know, when he was younger, it was a different situation. And I think it was more like, he has autism, forget his meltdown, you know, in the middle of the aisle. That's why, that's what's causing this. But now, you know, I kind of almost hesitate to share the diagnosis because, you know, in most situations, he's fairly quiet. You know, he he gets along just fine. And I don't want to label him because I don't like being labeled myself. And, you know, I think I use that label more to get therapies or to make sure that he's getting um, the support that he needs at school. But in daily life, I don't want people to know him as, you know, that a kid with autism. I want people to know him as Elion, the happy, you know, um, kid with a great sense of humor who loves to run and read books. I mean, I want people to know that about him. So I kind of hesitate, you know, when I'm out and about, like, do I share that? Do they think he's just kind of immature? Um, I think he passes for a lot younger because, you know, I'm five feet tall. My kid's not that big either. So he's a tiny little yeah. thing. Yeah, he's yeah. like four, three, 65 pounds. He's a tiny little guy and he's 11 years old. So I think, you know, we kind of get away with people not even realizing it because they think, oh, maybe he's just like seven years old and he's just kind of immature. So I don't know. I struggle with that as a parent because I know that's something that he has, and I'm not ashamed of it, but that doesn't define my child. Autism doesn't define Elion. He is so many more things than that, and I want the world to be appreciative of that. I'm Teresa, and um, I have a son. He's 15, just started high school, and I agree with... Geraldine. Um, most most of our experiences sharing have been positive in the community and with family. I have found, unfortunately, some of the negative ones have been with peers. Um, but um, overall, we've had a a good experience sharing it. But as he's aging, I'm not sharing it unless absolutely necessary because ultimately it's. It, it's him and it's his choice and it's it's really not my place to tell people anymore I mean he's that's he's a really good point yeah that's a and, good point and going way back to when he was first diagnosed and you were doing your calendars yes <laughs> um, I had quite a bit of pressure oh you should put your you oh you should you should submit a picture you should put your son on the calendar blah 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 and my husband was just absolutely no it is it is going to be his decision when he's older if he wants wants it out there yeah and um anyhow so that's um it's worked out really good and he is comfortable sharing it now with you know people that he needs to share it with and um it's working out okay right now so well, then let's switch over and talk about some of the negatives because we have kind of alluded to some of that. I'll talk about like my negative experiences, and I think that we kind of touched on these already. Um, my negative experiences were more with Isaac, but that I really do think that it is kind of, um, you know, this would have been, you know, 
12, 13 years ago. And just that understanding of what autism is when you talk about, you know, like Rain Man, you know, some of these depictions that movies and, you know, TV have created of what autism is have been good and positive, but Rain Man, I don't feel has done us any favors, people. Um, because, you know, that was the association that generations were pulling from. Um, so the negative experience that I had was um, I um, was very honest. I just, I wanted to join mothers or preschoolers because I need, I was going absolutely crazy because in those days I didn't know any other parents that had a kid touched by autism. So I decided, oh, there's this mother of preschools group through the church. Um, so they take care of your kids so that you can actually sit at a table and have an adult conversation. Imagine that. Um, and I, um, you know, and I have the Irish twins thing too. So Isaac um, is just 11 months older than Tyler. So, you know, in some cases, and then Tyler was big for his age and Isaac was little for his age. So it was like having twins. Um, and then developmentally, the difference between the two, it was like having twins. So I checked them in and I was really honest. And I said, you know, Isaac has autism. Um, he's going to cry when I leave him because I never left him ever. Um, so here's some things that you can do. If you just sit him in a rocking, sit in a rocking chair with him on your lap and just rock back and forth. If you have a phone book, because Isaac's favorite <laughs> thing to do was to go through the phone book and just like read all the numbers in the phone book. Um, so if you have a phone book, if you, I can bring one next time if you need me to bring a phone book. Because back in those days, it was back in the days where there were phone books, right? Yes. Okay. So I know I really am dating myself here. So if you have a phone book, that's even better. Just sit in the rocking chair. He's just going to cry. Just rock back and forth. And if you have a phone book so he can go through it, he'll calm down. And, you know, he may sit in your lap the whole time. Um, but maybe he'll get comfortable and, like, venture out and just maybe follow Tyler around. So I go. I sit down um, at Mother's of Preschoolers. And then pretty soon, you know, someone's holding up a sign, you know, like Isaac, Lytle's mom. You know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, crap. So I get up and I go and they're like, oh, you're going to have to take him home because he's sick. And I was like, did he throw up? You know, like what happened? She's like, well, his nose is running. Um, well, I don't know about you, but when I cry, my nose runs because you're crying. And I did tell you that he was going to cry. Um, well, no, we're pretty sure he's sick. So we're going to need you to like take him because we can't run the risk of the other kids catching it. And I was like, what? Are you kidding me? Um, so I grabbed all of my stuff and I said, my parting words there is, is that this has nothing to do with my child being sick. You just don't want to take care of my child that has autism. And so we left and we went home and I, that was like the biggest backslap to those people because after I got home, my phone's ringing off the hook and I'm refused because my friend, I did have one friend that was there and she was upset and angry on my behalf as well. Um, and I think she probably did take them to task when I left and my phone is ringing off the hook, but I was so hurt and upset that I couldn't even answer the phone. Like I still get emotional about that. So my idea moving beyond that was that, well, I'm not going to share it. I'm just going to like have this from now on. I'm not going to tell anybody because then they, um, they judge and have preconceived ideas of what that is. So now we jump ahead. I thought it would be a great idea to take Isaac and Tyler to toddler time at the library. <laughs> It's toddler reading time. Oh, <laughs> right? How bad could that be, right? Well, of course, too, is, you know, so now nobody knows. And, of course, when Isaac gets excited, he would flap, and he, he doesn't stand, or he doesn't sit. So he's standing, and he's flapping, and he's rocking back and forth, enjoying the book. And 
the elderly woman that was reading the book is like, you need to sit down, you need to sit down. And then of course, you know, she was making it more disruptive for the whole toddler time thing. You know, if you can't sit down, you can't be in here. If you can't sit down and keep your hands quiet, you can't be in here. Well, that was just it. I was just like, I I know David, thank you, David. You're really struggling even right now, right? So I was just like, oh my goodness. So then you're embarrassed because she's keeping making, she's continuing to make a big deal out of this. And so, you know, I take my kids and I storm out of there. And, you know, it was one of those moments where I um, went home, cried myself silly. um, And then I pulled it together and I called the library and asked to speak to the librarian, um, the manager. And I just said, you know, we were there for toddler time. This is what happened. My child has autism. I felt like this would would have been a safe, accepting place to take him because they're toddlers. Um, But this is what happened. So can you tell me what is the criteria for a child to be able to then participate in um, in story time, toddler story time. And, um, it was one of those moments in my mind. I'm, I'm sure she's just like, Oh shit. You know what I mean? Making notes. Um, I'm going to have to call you back on that, which I think is code for, I got to call our attorney because I think we might be in in trouble. I'm going to have to call you back. Um, can I get your number? And I'm just like, okay. So when she called back, she has a very politically correct, um, retort, which was, But what I appreciated was, you know what, that, you're right, that should have never happened. You are very welcome to participate in story time. We didn't know, and but re- regardless, that was not the right way to have handled it. Um, can you please come back because we need to learn how better to accommodate children like yours. So in my mind, I'm like, hell no, I'm never going back there because you embarrassed me, lady. I am not going back there. But then I thought to myself, I, oh my gosh, like, I have to do this because how do I expect things to get better or for other kids to then be included if I'm not willing to like put myself out there so I grudgingly went back because it's like by god this old lady is gonna have to learn Uh, I didn't want to um but then you know so again you know that pros and cons you know I've kind of done it both ways and I've gotten you know like burned um both directions but I will tell you that um my friend convinced me to like, you know, try a different, you know, like come, you know, let's try mothers of preschools again. So this time I decided, okay, I'm going to be better about writing out, this is what autism is. You know, here's like things that will upset him. Here's things that would, you know, calm him down. And I get there and I'm kind of ready for battle now. And this woman that was in the, um, in his particular classroom. And so I did tell them in advance, I am bringing a child with autism. So is there any way that maybe who you have in the room could be maybe just a little bit more dialed into these kids? And, um, I get there with all of my stuff, my bag full of stuff that I know that would, you know, like my phone book. I I mean, I'm like loaded with every possible thing to help this be successful. And this woman that they had in there, which they did put her in there specifically because I had told them we were coming, um, was a retired teacher. And she, I handed her all the stuff. I was going to my big, long dissertation about this is what autism is. And she just patted my hand and she said, sweetie, I'm a retired teacher and I worked with special needs kids. I've got this. What I want you to do is I want you to trust me with your children and you just go and have an adult conversation. So I did. um, But 
about 10 minutes in, I didn't get the sign held up that like <laughs> Isaac's mom. And I was like, I started panicking. So I left and I went and I did a, a, a Bonnie. <laughs> I'm like looking in the window and she, and he's in there happy, but I'm like peeking in the window and she like saw me and she comes out and she says, sweetie, like I got this. Like I am, he, there is nothing this kiddo can do that is going to make my hair stand up. She's like, I got this. Like I need you to like trust me and just know that I'm going to love this boy and I'm going to take great care of him while you're in there like getting like some adult time and and she did the next month I came back she actually had printouts about helicopter parents (laughs) 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 and like she was bringing me things to try and help me (laughs) (laughs) yes exactly but I will tell you um while we were in that mops group, Isaac passed away. And um, I will tell you that it was probably as traumatic for her, um, you know, having lost him. So amazing. So again, I've had really great experiences, but I've also had really horrible experiences too. But the answer to this is that I think it's the difference between time. You know, that was a long time ago where people didn't understand. So now we've progressed to a point where autism is more common. People, you know, usually will know someone or have someone in their life that's touched by autism. And so there's just better awareness and they're more accepting. Um, But I have to tell you, it's like it does still create that like stress for me about with, you know, situations with Caleb. Should I tell or should I like what you're talking about, Teresa, where it's like, you know, I'm. I'm going to let him decide if he wants to share that, you know, and, and Caleb's only 11. And so I still find that it's, it's better to be more preemptive, but I, I can't tell you how many cue cards. I mean, I spent hours making cue cards for all of the football coaches that would be working with him because I was so afraid, you know, communication specifics and all of those things. And then I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, like, am I going way on the other end of this? Um, so but being that he's high functioning and as he gets older, there are going to be times where, okay, so we have to start letting Caleb be the gatekeeper on the information and what's getting out there. So I'm going to open this up. So does anybody else have, I mean, this is probably, hopefully this is the worst experiences that you've ever heard of and nobody else have ever had an experience as horrible as this one. But, you know, like, do you guys have examples either way where, you know, you, you know, didn't share the information, it was horrible, or you did share it and it was equally horrible? Because I think that there is, you know, comfort in knowing that you're not the only one that has had, you know, some challenges along the way. I actually, my name's Teresa also, and I have a 14-year-old son with autism, high-functioning autism, and a 11-year-old son that also has high-functioning autism. And... Probably by far my worst experience didn't happen until this last year Mm. with um, disclosure. And it was one of those moments that was um, really difficult because you kind of put yourself, and you can all relate to this, you you put yourself in your cocoon with those people that you feel very safe with. And that, you know, I've been really intentional about where I put my children into school because I've chosen, they're high functioning enough that they can be in mainstream classrooms. I chose a private education for that and it's worked really well for us because they know my kids. And the parents that are there are really, um, for the most part, very much wanting to be a support and understand my children and help their kids understand my children. And I had a mom who um, had had some interactions with her son um, in conversation, 
that he shared that Owen had, you know, done some things that had hurt him or upset him verbally. And her response to that was, well, he has autism, and that means he doesn't have empathy. That means he doesn't show remorse, and he'll never be a good friend to you. Oh, my <gasps> word. Wow. And this wow. was shared to this boy. And then in a moment of conflict between the boy and my son, the boy shared this with Owen, who came running upstairs in tears. And is that true? Is that, is that really who I am? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> It's okay, Molly. You just feel free to feel that because, oh my gosh, we're all feeling it. And it was, like I said, especially insulting because, you know, you you do share those moments and you do share those diagnoses with people that you think will... Be part of your tribe, like I've heard Holly say. We this is her tribe. It is um, where you feel safe. Yeah, yeah. And but it was also a really great moment for me to teach Owen that people misunderstand one yes. another all the time. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you have autism. It doesn't matter if it's something else. People just sometimes don't see the bigger picture, and that the only thing we can do to fix it is change the narrative, yeah. give them the example of what it really can look like. And that's what is so great about all of these conversations, hearing you know, Jerry Lynn's perspective about, I don't want people to label. Yeah. And I think that that's something we all struggle with. None of us want them to have the label, um, but we also don't want them to be labeled incorrectly. Yes, negatively. And that's the part that I've had a hard time with. For me, in my mind, the way I've kind of managed it is, there's a difference between the diagnosis and the label. Mm-hmm. And when you look at it from a diagnostic perspective, you can give people information that says, you know, when you know one child with autism, you know one child with yes. autism. <laughs> and in our case, this is what it looks like. Yes. And he's still just a boy who, you know, does silly things and irresponsible things. And, you know, <laughs> he's still just a teenager. They're kids. Boy. Um, but I think that what's really great is we, like you did, you get to um, educate people and then you become an advocate for all of these kids. And, um, well, so I have a question. Did you correct this misinformation with this parent? Like, well, how did you, you know, react to that? Well I'm just, I know, I just, <laughs> I have to be I honest. Say, I don't know that I have that, that, I have that question too because the mama bear and me would have oh. been on the phone with that lady going, I will tell who you, do you think you are? I, went off in my head and I told you know first even Owen saw how angry I was like that is not okay you know and um I knew that if I made the phone call right then it wouldn't be good it it wouldn't have been good and no one would have gotten anything out of that and I thought about it for a long time I was I was like I'm gonna have to have this conversation and I'm gonna do it and then I thought you know this was another boy saying that this was what my mom said it may not have been the words True. that she used. Yeah. Yeah. It may have been his interpretation of what she said. And I really believe in those moments. We just have to show them different. Because sometimes when you get into those combats with other parents, it becomes about like, well, your kid did this, and then they said this, and then and you lose the whole like yes. the whole message. And so I opted to not call, which um, I went back and forth a lot on. I still think if I ran into her, <laughs> I don't see her anymore. She's not. She's no longer in our community. But if I ran into her, I think 
it would be really hard for me to not, to not show grace. Say yeah. <laughs> ran into or ran over her. diagnosis should in the label it should be used to you know educate people I mean that's if I use it I use it for that reason it shouldn't be to define or perceived as a negative because I think anytime you have any sort of like label associated with you for some reason it's always a negative like we don't label people like positively it always seems to have some sort of negative connotation to it and I don't know if that's just our society and culture but yeah. Yeah, it should be used as something to hey, you know, he has autism and yeah, that is what it looks like for for our family and it sounds like for your son is very different than what it looks like for my son. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I think for me, um I was given these cards and I thought I was being really proactive and so every time so I don't really do outings. I don't know I know your sons are hard functioning, but I know when you have more than one on the spectrum, let alone one, the outing isn't gonna happen. So it's like if I have to go somewhere, it's like a dire need. And so mm-hmm. I have I was given these little cards um, where I was supposed to give them to people if there was a situation that was like, you know, if they're being rude because I realized that I was being rude back. So <laughs> the therapist was like, why don't you just give them these cards to explain they have autism? Usually people will feel bad and then they'll back off. I'm like, oh, okay, that's great. So I pass out these cards and stuff. And so I went to Walgreens. We have the same Walgreens that we go to every time. All the workers know about the boys. Everything is great. We're going to the Walgreens. I have to get something for dinner. And I, I have five children, so it's not just them. We're, you know, we're all in there. We're blessed. And this, um, this couple, old couple is, like, kind of following me around the store as, you know, Evan's screaming and flapping his hands and throwing stuff into the cart, and Jackson's screaming, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh. And I'm like, oh, crap. Okay, where's the cards? I'll give him the card. Because I feel that today is not the day that I should be explaining it. <laughs> yes, right. And so, Just better to not have that conversation right. today. So I say what I always, oh, it feels like you're kind of having a hard time dealing with my boys. Hand them the card. And then the lady says to me, oh, they have autism. And then she looks at her husband and says, that means they get to do whatever they want. <gasps> oh. Oh. And he goes, oh, it's a parenting thing. And I'm like, Oh, wow. Oh, there is not oh, enough no. cards in the world right now. You know, so... Here's a card. Please my favorite, tell me. How about this one? one. Well, please tell me. So my favorite Walgreens yeah, right? employee that immediately was like, why don't you come over to photo and check out, you know? And she's like, are you okay? Wow. And I'm like calming myself down. And my daughter, who... We also have Irish twins, 14 yes. months apart. My daughter, um, who's 11, is like... Oh, are you going to say something? It's like, okay. And I go, well, maybe just prepare yourself for something. <laughs> so we're walking past, and I did. I, I said, you guys should be ashamed of yourself. You guys are not educated. You blah, blah, blah. And then the lady keeps talking. I go, and by the way, you're a B. Yeah. 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 You know. So. Thank goodness, because I would have right. led with that. <laughs> I was like, right. yeah, she's got a lot of grades, because I would have led with that. Right. And so, of course, people are looking and blah, blah, blah. And the lady at photos like, you know. <laughs> That's the thumbs, thumbs up. up. Yeah. Yeah, and thumbs. as we're walking out, all my daughter has to say, she could care less because she always sticks up for her brothers. All she says to me was, 
I'm telling dad, and now you're getting soap in your mouth for saying Take it. I will take. I will gladly eat the soap today, sweet pea, because that needed to be said. I think sometimes when you go and you try to explain it, there's just not enough explanation. Um, I, I totally understand it. There's times where they probably just look like brats and that they're just not being parented correctly. And um, but I know it's changed me because I I think maybe before I might have not been like that rude but you know what I mean you might look at some kids out of control and be like holy cow where's their parent you know yeah. and now I know I don't know the situation I don't know what's going on you know maybe maybe I have nothing wrong with them but the mom's just had the worst day in the world and I mean, you just don't know so you I think yeah. compassion and kindness just goes so far because you don't know everybody's situation absolutely so true. that is so true does anyone have any other points that they want to share before we wrap up this podcast Oh, Christine, all right. Um, so I was just going to say, it, it sounds like to me, and this has been our experience, this is our negative experience. I've, I've shared that most of our experiences um, have been positive when we've let people know that we have a diagnosis of autism. It sounds to me like everybody just has a preconceived notion. And that's been our negative experience. Anytime we've shared it, it's always come back at us um, with whatever filter, whatever knowledge the person we're sharing it with has about what autism is and looks like, they project that then onto my son. And that to me is the most negative part of it. Instead of them just seeing it as he has brown hair, he has brown eyes and autism, and then he's still just whoever he is and they take the time to get to know that. It feels like people come at us, whether that's teachers, whether that's people in the community, whether that's um, the, the, my friends that are also um, parents to neurotypical children. They all just sort of come with whatever their filter is, um, whatever their knowledge is. And that seems to me, to me to be the most negative part about it. And then I have to do that education piece. And... That gets tiring a lot because it's like, why is it my responsibility to educate people that, you know, the simple thing is, is that if you've met one child with autism, you've met that child with their version of autism. And so I wish if, if anything, that would be the piece that, um, the public in general would just grasp. Could you just grasp that? You can't say what, when I tell you that my son has autism, you can't decide what that looks like for him. Yeah. You have to get to know him. And we do that with, we do that with other children. Why, why, just because I say that he has autism, do you then come at me with, or come at him with what you think that is for him? You don't do that with neurotypical children. You don't go, oh, okay, well, here's Susie. She doesn't have autism, but that must mean, you know, because she's blonde hair and blue-eyed that she's a ditz. Well, maybe we do that with blonde people. <laughs> I can say that as a blonde. I know y'all can't see me, but um, so I mean, it's you know, it's just that kind of thing. So that's my negative um, experiences. Is that I just, I just have to go out there and say, don't, don't define what that means for Cameron. Get to know him, and then it will become very apparent how his autism presents for him. So, 
That is so true. And we go into some more of those pieces in a separate podcast that we will have later in the season. So we're going to wrap up this particular episode. Thank you all for coming. Like I said, I am overwhelmed with how many people are in this room recording today. Um, We hope this was helpful. And that ends um, this particular podcast of Isaac's Autism in the Wild. And that's it for now. If you want to be notified of our next podcast release, be sure to hit subscribe. And just remember, we're all in this together. So find your tribe and hold them tight.